Hi, this is Sarah Sakura, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hughes, and I am joined by the lovely Sarah Sakura. Thanks for joining us today, Sarah. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. It's getting nice and brisk here in uh, in the UK. I don't know what the weather's like there in Michigan. <sighs> Michigan is all kinds of cold. My friend referred to it as beyond the wall, if you've ever seen Game of Thrones. I have indeed, yes. <laughs> Pretty accurate. <laughs> so before we talk about any of your current projects at the moment, Tell us how you first ventured into a career of voice acting. Super weird story. I was actually just talking about it earlier today and kind of reliving how bizarre it was because most people are like, oh, you know, it's, it was always my dream to voice act. For me, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I very much appreciated it. Animations, video games, the like. It was all very awesome to me, but I never really considered it in a job sense back then. I sure. was just like appreciating what was given to me like all those amazing performances in video games i was like oh that's cool but i never would look into the voiceover like who's doing it and learn about it but then i started doing youtube and over my career of youtube which was primarily a video game channel i would do voiceovers in video games so i would be playing a game and talking over it so i had to learn a little bit how to do voiceover and just layering and all that kind of stuff yeah just from that but it started happening where people would tell me that they just loved listening to me, that I had a calming aspect to my voice or that I was just very entertaining. And sometimes with certain video games, I would have to read these letters. So some horror games, because I primarily played horror games. Oh, good choice. Um, Love my horror. It's my fucking jam. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> so there was like, I think specifically, I'm trying to remember the game. I think it was Outlast where I started getting the most feedback regarding my voiceover people were like oh i almost thought that was really in the game or that was so good yeah, i wish you would do that more often i was trying to actually act the letters out so i had literally no acting experience no voiceover experience it's god awful when i go back and listen to it but you know it was this weird thing that kind of overlapped to my beginning into voiceover because people kept saying why don't you try it yeah i had so many YouTube friends and I came upon one that specifically did these machinima-esque Minecraft videos. Um, right, okay. They're still on the internet and I never <laughs> want anyone to find them. It's like my deepest, darkest secret. Google. Um, super <laughs> unbelievably bad. I listened to one a couple months back and I just, the entire time, it was the worst thing I've ever listened to in my life. <laughs> but it was my start because I realized while doing that that I really loved it. So fast forward months of me now discovering that I love this thing, but having no actual idea how the hell to get into it. Because, the you know, getting into voiceover, everyone wants to know, how do you do it? Everyone's yeah, like, well, there's no real way. You just kind of do the things and the things maybe work. <laughs> yeah. Too true. So I, I came upon an, a voice actor named Adam Harrington. Oh, yeah. Maybe you've heard of him. Pretty big dude in the business. Yeah. Um, he was so nice to me. He was this most gracious, wonderful, loving, understanding, like mentor I had. And during which time I was like, I don't know if I have what it takes. So he's like, all right. He gave me tasks. He gave me monologues and was like, I want you to read these and send them back to me. And he would critique them. He did this a few times and was like, you have something. You need to work on it. You're new, you're learning, but you have something. Oh, that's awesome. Having been told that by Adam Harrington, I was just like, I believed him. I believed him with every ounce of my being that this man knows what he's talking about. If he says I have something, that's what I'm going on. So I was so intimidated and so unsure, and I didn't know anyone else that did it. So 
I just went for it. He connected me with a wonderful coach. She uh, works over at the Global Voice Acting Academy. She's incredible. And after that, it just kind of spiraled into this thing where it went from one coach to the next. And I started to get these voiceover friends. And I don't know, it's just somewhere along the way, four years later, I'm here. And I couldn't be happier. That's awesome. I and mean, it's so good that Adam was that kind in the beginning to give you that chance in a way, you know, to help you. Not many people do that. I know. And I honestly, if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have kept with it. He gave me that little bit of courage that that kept me going. Every time I wanted to quit, every time I thought maybe I just can't do it, I was like, no, Adam said I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. Yeah, I mean, it's that ambiguity, isn't it, that puts you off if you're on your own and you're like, well, I don't know if I'm really good or I don't know if, I've, if I'm wasting my time or if I'm actually yeah. going to get anywhere. But yeah, when you've had that from someone like Adam, yeah, that must be great. It was wonderful. So was there a moment or a project that was kind of a, a key turning point in your career that was kind of the first, not, well, not so much big break, but, you know, that really kind of changed the kind of um, speed of your career, if that makes sense. This entire year has been that turning point for me. It's yeah. just like a ricochet effect of all these amazing projects and opportunities I've been given. It was as of this year that I really went very hard in my voiceover career. I built a voiceover booth. I invested a lot of time and energy and money into really going as as hard into this as I could. And so I have so many projects this year that I feel like continually are that turning point where it's blowing my mind that I'm doing this because I'm doing this entirely from home on a non-union, you know, side of the field where yeah. that's hard to be consistent. And I'm happy to say that I'm doing it full time. So to be able that's to fantastic. do that, yeah, it's very, just this year, has, it's made that switch. Um, I sacrificed a lot for it, but you know, I, I just, I believe in it that much. Yeah. And it sounds like it's paid off as well. It's, it's scary because <laughs> as many people who know in this career, nothing is very consistent. It's, it's very touch and go. So you don't like have a consistent month of like, yeah, I can pay my rent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like hardcore freelance, isn't it? It's, oh yeah. <laughs> very much. So out of these projects in your career so far, or even these moments, is there one that you're most proud of? There was this one audition that I did. that was really funny. Um, I believe it was for like, this radio kind of rescuer person and I did my audition sent it in and I had a reply back and it was long but as I was reading it the mood was changing so the beginning of it was wow this was so not what I wanted at all for this character like this is so not at all <laughs> what I had intended like it's so off the record of what I wanted that you found something completely else that I didn't know I want. So I want to write a whole new character for you oh, wow. because I love the way that you portrayed this, but you just didn't do it the way I wanted for that character. But I'm going to make you like, essentially he made a main character who even like the other character had like, I assume less lines, I think by the end of it, but he made me the main character that he didn't even intend to have. So I auditioned for a role and made a character by doing it. That That's was pretty awesome. That was really cool. I was like, as I was that, reading that's pretty that, special as well. Like, yeah, it was. I felt so bad when I started reading it. It's like, you suck so bad. <laughs> yeah, like going through mood swings in like so many sentences, just like, oh, yeah. man. Oh, hang on. What? It's a really cool experience. And I'm still to this day, I believe, working with that guy. So when he writes his next part, I should be returning. So it was really fun. Oh, that's I awesome. enjoyed that. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So on the flip side then, so would you say anything has been the most challenging? Now, I know that going full-time voice acting and you say you sacrificed a lot in the last year anyway to do this um that must have been challenging in itself is there kind of any moment that kind of really hit home with how challenging that was yeah i um 
financially. Yeah, no doubt. Not even just the um, getting paid part, but how much money actually goes into voiceover to build my booth, to get all my equipment, to take classes and learn mm. all the things that you have to do to really further your career. It's, it begins to make like a money pit, you know, when they say you start, they you just get a plug in USB mic, but you can't do that forever. Well, no, of course not. Yeah. I just recently got the uh, Newman, 103 i believe or 102 i can't remember off the top of my head right now but basically the mic itself is over a thousand yeah yeah i mean if you go really to the kind of decent stuff even the mid-range starts getting towards that price you know yeah so it, and that's not including the booth everything else so for me a large part of that was deciding to invest in my future yeah, sure. in such a way and you know it's it's hard but I think that I did the right thing. And it's the same with my book. You know, I, uh, I wanted to give it its best chance. And to do that, I had to invest in yeah. both time, money and all that stuff. So for me, a lot of it is just financial, but also it's, it's scary, um, for a lot of people because they fear rejection and a lot of voiceover is rejection because it is such a competitive field. Oh yeah. But luckily for me, I've never really had that. Like it's part of the territory. When people reject me as a part, I don't see it as I have failed. I see it as someone else fit what they wanted more. Yeah. So that usually is what I think a lot of people have the most challenge with. But for me, it was just really sticking to this and putting everything I had into it. Like I, I focused completely i almost work every single day on voiceover i don't get vacations yeah yeah well that's the life of freelance right <laughs> yeah you gotta keep working if you want to make it yeah exactly so um do you mind if i ask what you were doing before you kind of went full-time voiceover so i'm kind of a weird mixed bag i i write books as i mentioned i used to do youtube uh, there was a point where youtube was full-time because i oh, had wow. i was that's pretty a... tough to do in itself <laughs> yeah I was affiliated with Loot Crate, which was really helping. That was that was a big thing. Wow. And my YouTube channel was doing really well. Um, but then I took a step back in 2016 because I wanted to finish my book. And after having done that, I noticed that YouTube had, had completely declined for me, not even just because of my break, but because the platform isn't doing so hot. So, yeah, I guess I've had some weird jobs uh, with that kind of stuff. I've always been a person who wants to work for myself. I've always been a person who's really hell-bent and determined on being focused on my passions and to a point that's probably destructive and somewhat <laughs> selfish. Um, but I can't, I can't see myself doing something that I don't love. And even if that means living in a more uncomfortable fashion, that's something that I'm, I've been willing to sacrifice. So for me, it's, I'm finally at a place of comfort, which it's, you know, this year has been a big one for me. And it just seems to be, you know, the stereotypical cliche, you know, your hard work will pay off if you just keep going. And I, it's what I've been doing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, obviously, certain factors get in the way sometimes, but it is all about perseverance, usually, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So I'm quite curious, actually. So when you when you quit and decided, well, when you went full time voiceover, and you invested all this time and money, um, what might be really helpful to some of our listeners thinking about voiceover is how you manage that. So obviously it's tempting to go, right, okay, I'm going for it. And then you spend all the money on all the gear and all the coaching sessions and all the acting sessions. Um, and you spend all your time doing everything. But you've surely got to kind of spread it out a bit, you know? Oh, yeah, this was over years. For the first three years of my voiceover career, I was doing the learning portion. 
So I really didn't invest in my equipment quite right away. I was using, yeah. you know, cheap plugins for a long time because for the first three years, I wasn't really making consistent anything. Mm. And that's fine. You know, the odd job that, that did end up paying me was great, but there was no consistency until this year because I don't think I was ready. I think a lot of people jump into voiceover and they're just looking for it to be an overnight kind of venture. And it's not. Yeah. For me, like, yeah, I invested a lot of everything into it, but this was over four years now. And I don't think there is any right way to to jump into it and expect it to be full time. For me, it happened to be this year that that turning point happened. But for someone, it could be sooner. It could be later. You know, I've talked to people that said that they didn't make that break until way later than I had. And that's that's, you know, it is what it is. It's also, I guess, where you live. I live in Michigan. So the, you know, housing here is a little bit more forgiving. I think a lot of people, when they want to do this career, they do move out to LA and that's rough. That's real rough. Yeah. Especially if you go straight there without kind of having prep, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I would definitely say that probably is ill-advised. Well, it's one of those things where, like you say, you've invested time beforehand, whereas some people seem to think that they can go, right, I'm quitting my job. I'm going full-time VO. And no. that's when they start training and you're like, no, 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 you no. Need to, you need to slowly ease into it. So the training should be like while you're working. Yeah. It's your off time. You know, it's, it's a hobby at that point. I always tell people, if you want to get into voiceover, it's a hobby. And then if it does turn into something cool, but you can't go into it and just expect, yeah, I'm going to be the next Troy Baker. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. It's never going to happen, right? <laughs> not, not overnight. <laughs> maybe, you know, 10 years from now, maybe if Troy Baker somehow like damages his vocal cords, maybe. <laughs> there's a joke. There's like that meme that's like, how do I get in a voiceover? Troy Baker's like, you wait for me and Nolan North to die. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> that was brilliant. It's a bit on the money, isn't it? It's I love like, it. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> um, so I think it's important to kind of identify the transitional process as well. In fact, that, you, you know, when you went full time, you didn't just go, right, I'm going full time. You were already getting enough work to then say, yeah. I think I can go full time now. It was not me making a conscious decision. Just one day I woke yeah, up exactly. and was like, I'm doing this. It was me going, I'm actually sustaining this life with this career path that's when you're like, okay, now I can make the switch. You don't make it and then hope that jobs come. Oh God, that'd be the worst, especially with things like rent. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was also gauging it off the ratio of jobs that I was receiving over, you know, not receiving, obviously. There was um, like the ratio of my auditions that were being successful started to shift this year. Oh, okay. So cool. when that happened as well, I was taking it as a sign that I'm doing something correct. Yeah, and you've obviously noticed your progression in a way. So obviously you've listened to your old stuff and gone, oh God, like we all do, oh, you know. And It's the worst. Yeah, I know, right. Um, when did you, so could you kind of sense when you were unlocking the knowledge, if you know what I mean, so that you could listen to it and go, ah, I know what I did wrong there and I know what I'm doing right now. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, the subtle differences. So for me, when I'm doing, when I'm in the booth and it's, you know, I got a script in front of me and I'm like, I need to dissect this. I go through a certain thought process now when before I would just be like, eh, <laughs> wing it. I'll just say things like, as people say, voiceover is an easy job. You're just reading things off a piece of paper. If you're doing that, then you're not voice acting. You're not doing the acting part. You're just doing the voice part. Yeah. And that's a, the key thing for voiceover is the acting. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that they go, oh, I have this really cool voice. Everyone always tells me that I have this like radio-esque voice and I should definitely be doing voiceover. It's like, it's great if you have a memorable voice or a powerful voice or a large range of voices. But the thing is, 
if that's all you're banking on, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where so many people assume it's the easiest job in the world. Oh, you just walk up to a mic and speak. You know, how hard can it be? <laughs> that's like, okay, so for me, um, this is maybe a little personal, but <laughs> I've been on dating apps for a long time, on and off. Currently off, thank God. But <laughs> <laughs> when I was on, pretty much every day, I would have some a-hole or another sending me a message just like oh cool voiceover you know i could totally do that i've always wanted to do that or asking me how they should get into it it's just like this thing yeah. that everybody wants to do but nobody wants to they see the aftermath like it's kind of that old thing where people are just always like they see how cool something is like oh being a uh, hollywood movie star yeah. that would be so cool but to you the the process to get to those points there's milestones or sacrifice there's so much People just see the end result and like, yeah, I could do that. Like, oh, my. <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's so annoying, isn't it? And I think we've all been there at networking events where you've got some drunk person just kind of like leching about it going, oh, yeah, uh, oh, I could totally do that. Give me a job. I could do voiceover. Listen, listen to my voice. And you're just there nodding going, uh-huh, yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> I literally have to deal with that with my own mother. My own oh, wow. mother. Every time I get a job that's like a, a really good one or something I'm really excited about and I tell her, she's always like, you need to get me in that booth. I'll do it. It's just like, oh, please. I love you, mom, but please stop undervaluing my career. <laughs> yeah, I can't explain to her how it's not just something you just do. I mean, I guess you could, but it, again, that's at a hobby level. Yeah. And it's like uh, she just wants to be paid and like renowned and all these things i'm like that's a cool dream you got there <laughs> yeah <laughs> if only it was the same for everyone you know i know i wish i could have just day one been like yeah i'll do that thing and then everyone's gonna love it i, I had no confidence like the when i started i can't say i had none but for the first i would say two years of what i did uh for voiceover the confidence level was pretty null Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just quite normal for a lot of people, I think, as well, especially when sort of my family were very similar. When I mentioned that I wanted to do voice acting and get into voice acting, they were like, what? <laughs> do what? You want to? That, that's a job? And I'm like, yes, yeah, it's a job. <laughs> oh, oh, my dad's reaction was priceless. I told him that I wanted to get into voiceover full time or that I even wanted to like just start going down that path. And his reaction was, you don't have a voice that anyone would want whoa and i'm like wow because he with him he thinks movie trailers uh, his entire yeah. voiceover so he thinks you <laughs> need to be world. a man yeah <laughs> the inner world voice yeah exactly god that movie by the way have you seen that i'm sidetracking oh, um, so hard the lake bell one yes i love it yeah, it's great it's amazing so <laughs> i love it so much but yeah so my dad was like you don't have that voice and i was like i was trying to explain to him when you watch commercials do those people have that voice yeah you want people that can sound relatable and normal as well for me a lot of the people i do like all the voices for voice uh video games and stuff a lot of it's just my normal voice they don't even want me to venture off into silly voices they just want something real and like natural sounding so yeah. for me majority of my jobs are just this so people do want my voice dad mm. <laughs> <laughs> told you <laughs> it was made me so upset when he said that but he's just ill-informed of what voiceover is and i yeah. think a lot of people are they don't really think about it well yeah i mean a lot of the things i used to get so i'd say oh yeah i'm a voice actor and they go oh okay do us an impression and i'm like it's it's not about impressions <laughs> do a voice monkey dance yeah, like, exactly. yeah, all the time and i and i refuse every time someone's like do a voice i'm like i'm gonna pass but thank yeah, you yeah cheers though 
Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not, I don't know. It's a, it's not really what that is. And I do, I do have a lot of people that think that I do impressions as well. And I don't, I'm horrible. I'm not an impressionist. Oh yeah. Same. You, I can do like, you don't have to be both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's not about doing great impressions. It's about being a great actor. And I think that's the part that most people forget is the acting part. They just go, oh yeah, voice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we all have voices so we can all do it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so before I go on another rant about voice actors and the misconceptions, <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the most recent projects that you can talk to us about that you've been working on? Oh boy. Um, hollow hollow just came out on steam. It should be coming out on all platforms. I think sometime next year, awesome. including switch, which is a big one because it's oh, a wow, horror game. Yeah, yeah. And to see that come out on the switch is pretty cool. Uh, Bloody Chronicles is another one. It's a visual novel. I'm also the casting director for that game. I've been oh, doing awesome. a lot of casting director work. I should mention that's another way that I'm sustaining <laughs> my life. Cast directing is the thing. <laughs> I love it. It's something that, again, I didn't know that I would love, and it fell up into my lap because of the Bloody Chronicles game. Oh, cool. I was a recast for one of their main characters, and boy, the scripts on that. My God. <laughs> I have never had a game with 200 something pages of dialogue per chapter and there's multiple chat like it, it's it's something i love it i love the character i love the idea i love the game but it's just like whoa that's a new kind of voice acting that i was not prepared for these like long 10 hour <laughs> sessions so it actually fell into my lap because they asked me um they're a japanese-based company hmm. and they're having some communicational issues with their english side voiceover so yeah. They asked me, because I guess they liked me, like, yay. <laughs> they asked me <laughs> if I would be willing to do casting for them and kind of handle the voice acting on the side. And I tried it. I did a trial period. I had never done it. They have like a 15-year vet voice director over on their end. And I was just like, oh, I have zero experience. I'm just <laughs> no gonna... pressure. I was honest. And they were willing to give me a chance. And now I work for their company. And it's just been really cool. That's awesome. That's really, really good. Yeah, I really enjoy it in a, in a different kind of way. Well, yeah, obviously, it must give you a different perspective on the whole voice acting side as well. It's really cool getting to direct other actors as well. Wow. Yeah, that must be awesome. It's a, it's a different experience. Because I mean, everyone has their own methods. But getting to see it and kind of work with another actor and just also kind of sit back and let them do their thing yeah is a is a special experience yeah i can imagine wow so for me i would say those two projects are pretty big um i'm there's one in particular that i am probably the most excited about and i can't say the name because i, I it should soon very soon stick to my twitter <laughs> very soon i should be able to announce it's been like i think five or six months that i have told no one and it's so crappy because i'm so excited about this game this is a game that i've had my eye on like before i even knew that i was going to be in it or that they were even looking for actors and wow. um cool thing about it is i'm playing several characters and so far neither one has said a word all right so that's been interesting <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say okay but <laughs> just like stew on that for a bit yeah i'm curious about this one now <laughs> it should be it should be a good one and you say it's out next year i don't think they have a release date oh I'm okay i yeah. think maybe tbd <laughs> yeah it's one of those <laughs> yeah and is there anything else we should be keeping an eye out for at the moment i mean I do a lot of game work. For me, it's just like if you do video game voiceover, the thing is the, the key to that is your 
patient yeah. because these things take several years sometimes. Um, I have a slew of games that are coming out. A lot of my resume is like games that don't have release dates yet or are coming out next year. Um, there's, a, there's a lot. I would feel bad if I, if I left anyone out. So I'm just going to say... Uh, my IMDb is a good place to look, <laughs> and I also have my resume on my website, which is sarasakora.com. So if you're interested in what I do, uh, that would probably be the place so I don't start naming people and forgetting everybody. <laughs> yeah, safe. Good way to play it. Yeah, I'm just going to do that. So as you've said, you've starred in uh, quite a lot of video games. So yeah. do you... Do you play yourself? I know you mentioned before that you did YouTube videos about games and stuff. Oh, yes. I play so many games. I'm hugely into PC gaming and Xbox gaming specifically. Nice. I've been gaming since the, I mean, the, the start of my life, pretty much. I have an older brother, and he used to make me play video games. And I was so bothered by it at first, but then I was like, hey, I actually kind of like this. So... Uh, my first system was a Nintendo 64. It took nice. a while to convince my parents to give me anything other than Barbie dolls. But once <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm a nerdy kid now. I want nerdy things. They finally like let me be that. And Excellent. just snowballed into me being a 27-year-old nerd now. And I, and I hope it never stops because, honest to God, I, just, I want to explore all the nerdy things. I want a LARP. I'm totally into D&D. &D. Like, that is just a huge part of my existence. So for me to be able to, like, be in these video games, not even star, just being in them, is the coolest thing in the entire universe to me. Oh, yeah, right. It's, read some of those lines, and it's just like you're in a D&D &D game, and you're just like, You get to be cool. the game. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> But then I never want to play the game, because the whole time I'm like, oh, I could have done that better. Yeah. Yeah, that's the your problem as well, isn't it? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to play my character. <laughs> that's probably the worst thing about what I do is because these games take so long to come out, I will record dialogue two years before the game comes out sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And then I hear how bad I am. And I'm just like, oh, I've learned so much since then. And I want to redo it. But they're like, nah, we already dealt the animations. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just, it's so frustrating. That's the problem when you're uh, in an industry where you're constantly learning and improving. Oh, yeah, always, never. You never stop. You'd be in this industry for 30 years and you're going to learn something at some point. <laughs> so, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so it, that's really cool. I love it. I love the challenging aspect and the growth because I feel like that's something I need to be happy with. My weird visions on dreams and jobs, <laughs> as I've told <laughs> you, I don't like to do all these things. I think why I love what I do so much is because there is so much growth in it. Yeah, definitely. And it's always changing. It's always something different. Um, it's, Very exciting. It's never the same boring stuff every day, you know? Yeah. So do you have a favorite game? that kind of really, I don't know, not changed your life so much, but, you know, is iconic in one of the first few games that you played. <sighs> what video games do you like is, like, the most dreaded question I I've know. ever had in my life. Because Sorry. it's just, like, I, get, I become <laughs> swarmed with all these games that brought me such amazing experiences, and I would feel horrible to okay. not mention. favorite horror But, game. no, it's fine. I'm going to give you an answer. Oh, okay, cool. Go for it. <laughs> First off, horror game. I'm definitely going to say Resident Evil 7. That game blew my mind. Um, I just, I would love to play that in VR. I think it would be terrifying. I it have this is. thing where I play <laughs> horror games. I'm a, I'm, I used to play on my YouTube channel. People would always comment. Like I had this one in particular, I'll never forget. There was like this dude who's like, I'm a Marine. This game scares the shit out of me. You didn't even flinch. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you've got balls of steel. And I will never forget that because it's That's like awesome. people <laughs> would get upset with me because when I played horror games, I, I didn't react as much as some might expect because I just kind of had this, this, this I was like desensitized to 
pretty much all of it. Yeah. Because you play it so much. You're like, oh, jump scare. Who didn't do that before? Yeah. Like everyone <laughs> exactly, ever. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fun. So I would say it was definitely my favorite horror game experience. But for other games, a uh, big one for me has been the Portal series. Oh, wow, that nice. That game is... <sighs> they'll never make a third because Valve can't count to three. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, playing even Portal Stories Mel, which is made by... Um, amazing bunch of people, but specifically this, this guy on YouTube, Harry, I believe 101 UK is his tag. Right. I might have mixed that up. But he made this amazing portal expansion on the universe that took time in a different place, which happened to be Michigan during a different time. And oh, wow. it was just like, it was the best thing ever. It gave me that sense of portal again and a whole new story with it. So that, that game and... I'm including Pearl Stories Mel into that because that was an incredible experience. Um, I would definitely say Gears of War. The whole series has played a pretty big one on my life. Yeah. Met a lot of people in my life from during playing that game. One of my best friends I met online um, playing the first one, and we've been friends ever since. I think I was like 15. as super cool to meet someone there. Awesome. Um, so I've always enjoyed that series. I would say another really big one for me is League of Legends. I play that almost every day for the oh, last wow, nice. like, six years um i don't know there's just there's so many games but if i have to think back to like my childhood you want to root back there <laughs> uh my first game that i ever owned myself was pokemon stadium oh, nice. which was kind of awesome because i would always collect the cards and see them moving around and actually fight them yeah it was just like a nerd's dream coming to life so, I mean, there's, I could talk forever about video games, but I don't, okay, two more, two more, and I'm done. <laughs> I promise. Mass Effect nice. was, yep. uh, I would say the third one was probably my favorite. Yes, I said the third one. I liked the <laughs> ending. I hope that I triggered so many uh -oh, people. Right shots now. fired. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that ending, I want to put this on record. I would say the Mass Effect 3 ending was justified and i i would say that it also was fitting and i think people who complain that all your choices didn't matter because of the ending are silly because it shaped your whole game not just the ending well yeah not all the choices you make shape how everything ends yeah so and, and it was a they said it was a trilogy they lived up to it shut up <laughs> <laughs> not to you but to the people that are right now really mad and typing something really yeah. mean to keyboard me. warriors right Those now people i want them to shut up <laughs> but yeah um i would say uh the other one would be bioshock just a really ah, strong awesome connection game. That I loved it. I would. So I even played the second one, which I know a lot of people skipped. Oh, out I on. loved that one as well. I actually really it was enjoyed. Great. It. They were yeah. all great. Infinite was probably the best, just because it was super cool. A little bit of mind fuckery, but I loved it. <laughs> well, that's what Kevin Levine's known for a bit, isn't he? When he's writing. <laughs> he definitely so. But yeah, those are some awesome choices. Some of my favorites in there as well. So I mean, yeah. I, I loved the Bioshock series, and those were amazing. I was actually surprised the Portal series and League of Legends has passed me by. Portal, I've been meaning to play since, well, since it came out. I just, I don't know why I've never played it. It's just never oh. kind of crossed my path. There's so many games these days is the problem, you know, that you just kind of miss the other one. But it's it's a short, complex, wonderful adventure. Like, it, <laughs> it's it's not like you're going to be playing The Witcher for well, that's something true. hours. Yeah. Yeah. You can do it. You can beat Portal 1 specifically very quick. Yeah, I might have to download it. It must be like a pound now anyway. Like <laughs> <laughs> they just they pay you. Yeah, exactly. just like, it's so old. Like, here you go. Just experience it. So I kind of have one more question to do with voiceover before we talk about one of your other creative exploits that you work on. Okay. 
what advice, what key advice would you give to someone considering a career in voiceover? We've covered a lot already in our in our rants and rambles, but what would what specifically would you advise to people? Funny enough, I actually made a video about this on my channel. Um, kind of. Like I talked very briefly about it. I would say my biggest suggestions for somebody considering a career in it is don't think of it as a career. Think of it as a hobby, as I said before. Yeah. Go into it wanting to learn this new thing, but don't go into it thinking that people need to hire you and pay you immediately. Yeah. And I would say another good thing is to get a USB mic. You, you need something. Don't invest a lot of money right away because it might not be for you. So I would say begin starting small. And I would also suggest that you should get some form of coaching pretty early on. Um, if you really do want to try for it, I would suggest coaching would be a pretty immediate step. You yeah. can do one-on-one -on -one coaching, like with the Global Voice Acting Academy. I've used them for years. There's plenty of other ones out there. You can also um, go to like voice acting workshops in person, or you can do them online, seminars, webinars, those types of things, and learn. And uh, another really helpful thing that I did early on was I bought like books of monologues and I would just record on my phone me doing these monologues and listen to them back. And I'd be like, ah, it doesn't sound very good. I'm going to do it again. Um, it's trial and error. And it's a lot of uh, exploring this thing that you don't know much about because honestly, getting into voiceover, it's a weird thing. It's a thing that not a lot of people do, but there's a huge community online oh yeah um there's tons of facebook groups specifically that you can join that people are willing to talk to you and help you um there's forms where people need pro bono unpaid voice actors to just do you know youtube videos and silly things but that those silly things are your start so everyone needs to start somewhere and i would highly suggest mic coach practice and then pro bono work to just build up confidence, uh, a bit of an experience and just kind of feel it out. Yeah. And if at that point you're feeling good about it, go harder, more coaching sessions, more equipments and learn the trade. Because if you're doing it on a, not, uh, a non-union kind of situation, you're going to be doing a lot of editing. You're going to be doing a lot of like behind the scenes, post-production type audio engineer work. And to do that, that's another learning curve. That's something that I struggled with personally, and I still do. I, I'm not trained in that. So it's it's a lot of figuring it out. Yeah, definitely. I think that's some great advice there. Um, one thing I will touch on really quick is the pro bono work, because I think we've all had to do that. Um, and it, the hardest part for me, well, for a lot of people, was knowing when to kind of stop doing free work to, to kind of, you know move on to the only paid work. But even then, there's opportunities where there's a reason to do pro bono work right it's one of those most complicated one of those complicated areas where there's it's yeah. all depending on your motivation to this day i still do pro bono um if i find a person on a project offering something if they say like i'm doing this you can have exposure and all this and that a lot of the time i just kind of roll my eyes at it um but if i see a project that i believe in and they just don't have funding because i mean that happens a lot with indie video games yeah I've, I've done pro bono. I did one just a couple weeks ago for this game called uh, A Writer and His Daughter. And I'm so proud of that. 
I lended my help with cast directing and voiceover. He didn't really ask for it. I just offered it because I know how important voiceover is. And since it has come out recently, there's been actual reviews saying that the voiceover is incredible for this game. Oh, amazing. Because I, I got a team of people together who believed in this project. And a lot of them don't do pro bono much either. But because we had faith in this project, we did. So there's there's a certain time and place for pro bono even after you've made the choice to be full-time oh yeah definitely i think it's all definitely context-based like you said yeah you know it all depends on the project and if someone's just there going oh we haven't got any budget for vo so you can do it for exposure then no that's that's different yeah sometimes people (laughs) will say like we have this big idea and they'll try to blow it up and be like this will make you this will be like your break into this and it's like you gotta watch out because a lot of people will man I don't want to put anyone on blast, but I've had two very bad experiences recently with people that are shady and are doing things that are not okay. And that's one of the things you got to really look out for. It's not even about pro bono. It's just about protecting yourself as an actor. I don't know if we want to get into that, but I have a lot (laughs) of thoughts on that. Um, There's a company that I recently worked with that did not want to pay me up front. Right. So let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. How I kind of work through this business, because the truth of the matter is a lot of my work comes from overseas. And taking someone to court who, say, lives in Russia would be a very difficult thing because of laws and distance and the ways that that works. So for me, I just, I kind of had this system where we agree upon a payment and I need payment before I send the final files. Yeah. And a lot of the times it makes people uneasy. They're, uh, you know, not sure what they're going to get. And I always tell them, like, we'll figure it out. If you need redos, we'll figure it out. Um, I'm not here to just, like, take all your money. I'm here to make sure that you have a good experience and that you want to use me again in future projects. So for me, it's a it's a very give-take relationship, and I try to keep it prolonged. But sometimes they're very strict on they don't want to pay you until they get the files first. And recently I have allowed that to happen because I had a very long discussion with the company and there was, they wouldn't budge. Right. Okay. And I was excited about the project. I get into the booth, I record, I edit, I do all the things. I'm ready to send the files and they tell me that they are no longer going to pay me, but I should still send the files. Wow. So it's just like, it, it's a situation where I was completely just treated poorly. Yeah. Um, and I had another experience recently with a similar client, different one, but similar situations with things. And they had paid me up front, but then they replaced me without telling me. Oh man, that's the worst. Because I wouldn't record the entire script with a new direction for free. So they kind of went behind my back and replaced me. These are experiences that are so disheartening because you're trying so hard to make things work. And you're, I mean, these people, I was rewriting their scripts for them because a lot of the time their scripts are written in a very broken version of English. And I, I, I had to change it or it would sound funny. And I don't want me to sound a bit like a fool when I'm recording for these games. So I I would, I would fix it. So I essentially like rewrote these scripts and I put extra time and effort that I didn't add any fees onto. And it's like, then they just completely mistreated me with these, with these actions. And that's something that I've recently had to deal with more in the past couple of months than I've had for a while. So usually it's pretty good, but as of late, not so fun experiences, be careful when you're doing voiceover, make sure that you're doing it in a way that makes you comfortable. 
and that you have some kind of trust established with the people you're working with. Cause I feel like there's a lot of people who will take advantage of you. They don't, a lot of people don't really value voiceover or think of it as a career. And they're just kind of like, whatever, we'll just get someone else. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot of touch and go on that. So that's one thing I wanted to point out because I know other people I've talked to recently have had their own bad experiences and I just think there needs to be a certain level of communication and trust with that kind of thing, especially when you're doing these long hours and you're putting all this time into something and then they're just like, throw you away. Like you don't matter. It's, yeah. it's not fun. Well, it's one of those, um, I mean, I hate to say the cliche, but you know, when you are in the acting profession, especially when people are starting out, they've not got a lot of confidence, you know, they don't know if they're doing the right thing. Actors always have that kind of thing going on anyway. And it's quite a vulnerable state to be in in the beginning. And a lot of people take advantage of that with all these yeah. things that you're saying. And it's, it's you know, you've got to be careful. And even years in where I feel like I do have a little bit more confidence now in myself and my abilities, people are still doing that crap sometimes. Like if it, oh, yeah. they'll, they'll do it, they'll say what they need to say. I would just say protect yourself to anyone who does voiceover, especially non-union, because union, you, obviously, you have a bit of protection. But with non-union, you're mostly working for yourself here, and you don't really have agents to deal with this kind of stuff for you a lot of the time. So just be careful. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's, it's just one of those things, where, like you say, you've just got to protect yourself as much as possible. But it's hard to know sometimes when you're in the right in the beginning, isn't it? That's why I try to have a set rule that I have for everybody like payment first yeah it's to protect me yeah exactly and that's a good way to do it yep so that's voiceover not only were you a youtuber not only are you a voice actress and not only are you a casting director you're also an author <laughs> so, <laughs> i'm a mixed bag man i do so many things i'm so tired i'm exhausted exactly. i don't sleep yeah i was gonna say you do not sleep at all i don't <laughs> so tell us a bit about your book throne of lies how many hours do you have? <laughs> Not the whole story, just a... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just, just mean the summary. story of the story because <laughs> this girl wrote that particular book for 10 years. Wow. It was a very touch and go thing on that because I had I've always had this passion for pretty much anything creative. I like to paint as well. I've been really diving into oh, that stop recently. It. Stop doing all I, this stuff. <laughs> I just do everything. If you can name something creative, I'm probably doing it or have done it or probably going to do it. I, I just, my creative side of my brain is just burning. I don't know. Um, that's just how I am. I've always been this very creative individual who just wants to express herself. So for me, writing was an obvious thing that pulled me. Um, I happen to be a lover of words in a lot of ways. I <clears throat> started with poetry, oh, nice. oddly enough, when I was probably preteen, I was very much into poetry. Mm. Um, so for me, it was like it gradually turned from that into like writing short stories and from short stories into this idea of this like girl named Amethysta who lived in a castle. And there was a weird thing where she had this magic and she didn't know where it was coming from. And so that was this idea that I started when I was 17. And I began to write on and off for I don't know, probably two years, I would just like kind of dive into this other world and try to flesh out this character, um, <clears throat> which is the only thing that did not change in my book. The only thing that stayed the very same from when I was 17 to now was this character's name is Amethysta. Like pretty much everything else has changed since then. <laughs> um, but it, it basically just fast forward to 2016. For some odd reason, I had, I don't know, 
probably like 50,000 words written in a manuscript that was very poorly written, very spotty, um, horrible grammar and punctuation everywhere you can see. And I had this horrible manuscript, but I was like, I want to write this book and I want to publish it. I don't know where it came from. I was started this book with no intentions of publishing. I just wanted to write. But for some reason, actually, I think it was 2000 and it was either 2015 or maybe 2004. I don't remember. <laughs> it's all a blur when you don't look at the clock and you just sit there and type. Oh, yeah, definitely. But basically, there, there was a point when I was like, I want to write this. I think it was 2014 because 2016 is when I published. Um Basically, I, I came to this conclusion I wanted to finish, and I my YouTube channel took a backseat. VoiceOver took a half backseat. I was like, I'm doing this, but like my soul and everything else is into this book right now. So I would really just write every single day, anywhere from maybe like three hours to 10 hours, and I did this until I finished. And you want to talk about sacrifice. I have never been so emotionally distraught as when I was writing that book, because it came to a point where I needed more money than I had. Again, we're back at the money thing. Yeah, always. Cause I, cause I had to live. So I couldn't like just put every dollar I had into these things. So yeah, I was trying to fund voiceover while I was trying to fund my book. My book cost about $10,000 to make wow, my book. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> about, probably more. I don't know. I still do advertising. So it's all adding up still. Um, so basically, I came down to a point when I realized, like, I don't have this, you know, English graduate type of education to be able to write this in the proper format of a book, because I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just learning. And I had to reach out and get it edited, which for getting an editor, let me tell you, there's so many ways to do that as well. Um, but I wanted the best of the best, because I wanted to give my book the best chance it had. Of course, yeah. I went to Kirkus Editorial, and let me tell you, they... They uh, squeeze you. They squeeze you like a like a freaking orange, getting every last penny out of you that they can. But it was worth it. I have never been more thankful for a person in my life. My editor that I met, Kristen, uh, she was just night and day the best thing that happened to that book. Because without her, I don't know if I would have finished it. I don't know if it would be half as good as it is because she did a collaborative edit, which for those that don't know what that is, there's copy edit, line edit, and collaborative edit. Collaborative is the most intense. Collaborative is like where they're going through your book and telling you this is a weak spot, work on it. They're not writing for you, but they're suggesting and they're noticing and they're like paying attention to like the flow and stuff. All right, cool. So when she did that, um, it was a very interesting experience because I went from writing every single day to giving this person that I don't know my book no one's ever read my full book i was like protective like that is my child <laughs> yeah. you stay away holding on tight not wanting yeah. to let go <laughs> i would i some people have read like chapters but i'd never let anyone read like the whole thing so i sent it off and this is after months of saving my money to be able to afford this thousands <laughs> like, i think it was about three thousand dollars to do this um i sent it off to her and i just waited weeks i just waited 
I was so sick to my stomach with yeah, nerves. I, bet. I was like, she's <laughs> gonna hate it. This person, all she does is edit things. She's read so many shit books. My book's gonna be a shit book. And I was freaking <laughs> out. So I finally got the email that she was ready to talk. So she sent me like a little list of things and all that. But then we got to actually talk on the phone about things. And this woman was praising me for my ideas and saying, you know, above all, I just hope that you finish this. You have something here. Again, I have this person with experience telling me that I have something very similar to the Adam Harrington story. And that's what, that's all I needed. I went full head on, just drilled into that book for the next whatever time that it took. And I, I published my book. I financially ruined myself for a little while, <laughs> but I'm okay. And I love that I did it. It's the proudest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And now I'm writing the second book because that's the first book in a trilogy. Wow. So you have the trilogy all up there in your head ready. It's it's literally just like fucking firing at every wall in my head. And I'm just, <laughs> it's kind of just going crazy up there. It's kind of very similar to Portal. And there's like the gels. And then like there's this one gel that makes things bounce. It's like that gel is all over my brain. And they throw <laughs> one of those companion cubes down and it's just boinging everywhere. That's literally my brain with this book. And I'm 50,000 words into book two, and I'm trying to double that. And then I got to go through that whole process again. But I've gained confidence since. My book has been received quite well online, and I'm very proud that this is my debut book, and people don't hate it. So, yay. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, it's really impressive to even finish a book, never mind write a good book that's getting well and received. And self-published. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I did all of it. Like, I from the cover to the like the editing to the layout design to everything i picked people to help me do these things and i had my foot in each one of them i did not just send it to somebody you do this for me each step of the way i was there and i was helping them with the process because i felt anything as small as a the text of like this one sentence i wanted to be a part of because i i just felt like it would feel wrong if someone else made a choice for my book for me yeah, because i put I know so exactly much what you mean yeah, I had to do it all. And since then, I actually published a short story that I'm pretty proud of, which again, has been received pretty well. Awesome. And that one was kind of like a coming out situation. Right. Okay. Not, not in an, a sexual orientation fashion, but a mental disorder fashion. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to come out and say it. For me, I am, um, I've struggled with anxiety related disorders and agoraphobia for my whole life, pretty much. Um, so part of the reason that I've worked these strange jobs as well is because I have a very hard time functioning socially in a public sense. So yeah. for me, working at home is crucial. And being able to do these things that I love from home has been the most relieving thing in the entire world. Oh, yeah, me. I bet, yeah. I'm able to be happy and manage what I have. So for me, it's like... I don't really talk about that stuff much because I'd rather be focused on like people know me for the successful things and the good things and not just associate me with a mental disorder. But because, you know, it's it's like a stigma to talk about those kind of things. Yeah, of course. Yeah. People still have their preconceptions. And... Oh, yeah. But I, I recently again, this year has been a big one for me. Apparently this year I've decided to be honest about my struggles because I think that adds a different layer onto my successes that you can have, you know, pitfalls and these problems and speed bumps and you can power through them and still do the things that you love. Because if I can do it, the girl who's like 
super anxious when she steps out her door or anything of that sort, um, I believe that a lot of people can do a lot of shit. I have faith. Well, it's the both the curse and the blessing of social media, isn't it? Everyone just thinks everything's amazing for everyone a lot of the time, unless someone's being open and honest, because everyone just puts all the good stuff on, which is good, but not a lot of people discuss the issues they've dealt with or the problems they have or anything that they've been going through to get to this point. For me, I, I like to refer to that as people projecting their highlight reel. So exactly. yeah, yeah. What, what you're saying is something that I pay attention to because I do notice a lot of people, you know, so willing to say the good things, but not the bad. And I think I've been I, I've done that forever. I've never really been open about my struggles because I didn't feel it was appropriate. But in a way, I mean, it's how you handle it. Of course. Yeah. So for me, I wanted to write my short stories called Agoraphobic Inside Out. The reason that I wrote that was to bring awareness to the disorder because it's not often spoken about. It's a very kind of hush-hush thing. And I wanted people to understand. So say a mother's trying to understand her son. Yeah. He's agoraphobic and she doesn't get it. This kind of gives you a third person's take on what that experience is for that guy. Cause the whole short story is basically this one anxious dude is just trying to get to his sidewalk every single day. He's trying to make the 15th step to his sidewalk. And it's the entire experience from his hallway to that step and what he's emotionally feeling, what he's physically feeling and it's very intense and I wanted it to be because I wanted it to be accurate. And I've had so many people that I don't even know reviewing it saying that this was a very accurate take and that it was written really well. But the thing that hit me the most was I had, I believe, two psychology students say how helpful it was for them. That one woman said that it was the most important 11 pages to be read, I believe, that year. And it was more powerful than her lectures in college wow that's and pretty, that was that's pretty that, incredible. Hit me. <laughs> that hit me so hard i was like because this is something that has changed the course of my life yeah i don't think that i would be writing books or doing voiceover if i wasn't agoraphobic it's hard but it's led me to these things that i love so it's kind of made me who i am and i'm very grateful for that yeah and it's just like a lot of things like being you know dealing with anxiety and a lot of other mental health issues people just kind of assume one thing and don't know the full details so unless they're informed they just assume one thing or another exactly well it's really impressive and it's really cool that you've you've managed to embrace it and use it in the creativity which is one of the best ways to um kind of embrace mental health disorders i, th I found is one of the best ways is creative outlets and i think so many people struggle with depression anxiety whatever it may be and it's i think it should be talked about more yeah i think it's not necessarily something that people should be ashamed of it's i think opening up about it has helped me a lot because for as long as i can remember i've, I've been ashamed so I never would talk about it. Um, I barely talk about it with friends. I was just, oh, yeah. you know, it was something that I didn't want people to, to associate with me. But it's like, hell, it's part of me. And I'm not ashamed of it. It's my struggle, but I'm dealing with it. And I'm doing my best. And I'm proud of who I am and how far I've come. And that adds a layer onto it, like I said, that I have accomplished such things, even given the fact that I deal with what I do. And I don't know. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. And you should be very proud of, of doing it, as you are, rightly so. Um, and it'd be good if more people embraced it like that. I think they should. And I think talking about it might inspire other people to do so. Hopefully so. Yeah, hopefully. Because it, like you say, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a part of who you are. You can't help it. 
you know it's, it's not like you chose to have it yeah it's a I mean for me I think um when other people do open up about their anxieties in a way for me it kind of inspires me like recently I've gotten to know somebody and he struggles from anxiety himself and to see him face his anxieties as bravely as he does is like the most inspiring thing and has kind of made me want to be braver awesome. so yeah I just I think that's such a cool thing when people realize that they have a thing whatever it may be even if it's just like I have a confidence issue you take that confidence issue and you just face it. Yeah. I just have so much respect for people like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it takes a lot to do that. And uh, what can be so normal to someone else into in inverted commas normal um, to do easily is can be the hardest thing in the world for someone else. And that's what people forget. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I know it's gone quite a bit a bit deep. But um, what I wanted to ask next was what lies in the in the future for you now. I mean, you've got a lot on the go. You've got a lot of ideas already. Um, as well as all the voice acting gigs. What, what, what's coming up for you in 2018? I hope that a lot of my projects do make airways. So a lot of those games will drop. Um, I don't know. I, I, that's the thing is with non-union voiceover, it's like, how far can I get this to go? Triple mm. um, A being the goal, you know? But a lot of that is union. So I, I wonder how far I can get with this. I have faith that I will get further. Um, and continue doing projects that amaze me that I'm even part of them. Yeah, I mean, it's, you've, you've got so many um, different projects. Like the variety is great. Yeah, and I, I hope to finish the draft of my second <laughs> book for the, for the novel. Um, and I don't know, I just, I really want to explore my passions and obviously be productive. I do believe I'm moving next year as well. Not oh, cool. any huge moves, but you know, just like little things. I just think it's important to be a well-rounded person. I, I have a bad case of like workaholic problems where I always want to be working. So I'm trying to take that time. Like, yes, I have all these projects and all these things that I want to do, but I'm trying to to balance it all and yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the process because boy i if you leave me alone with voiceover or my book i'll just do just that and be completely <laughs> content i'll be like i'm just working from morning to night but yeah no i i i think that i have a lot of things that i want to do and i'm just kind of i don't want to put too much pressure on those things when they'll happen or how they'll happen because weirdly enough the things that i love most just keep seeming to fall into my lap and that's a good thing to have happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just keep hoping that that happens while going down the path that I'm going now. Yeah, well, it all sounds great, and uh, I hope it all does pan out like that as well. You know, fingers crossed, Thank it you. all goes great. But I have quite a fun question to finish off with now. After all that, so it's been a fantastic interview. We've talked in depth about voice acting, uh, mental health issues, you know, writing, and all the amazing things you do. So nice little question to finish off with. If you could hang out with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be? I can honestly tell you I did not prep for that one. Because <laughs> I, I, that one, okay. I would, I'm going to give you a few answers. The first one is my, my voiceover idol, which happens to be Jennifer Hale. Oh, good choice. She is just in everything. She is the female Troy Baker. Yeah. She is just fantastic i love her voice i always hear her in games i'm like my girl i don't have to i don't have to know she's an i just hear her and i'm like that's 
that's my girl. She don't know who I am. I've tweeted at her. She's never liked my stuff. But you know, it's fine. I love you anyway, Jennifer Hale. There's no <laughs> way you're listening to this, but I'm still going to act like you might. <laughs> she um, might be. You never know. And as for someone else, I uh, I have this huge appreciation. I'm going I'm to go with celebrity crushes on this one because it's not just a physical thing. It's just I really, really love this certain celebrity, Paul Rudd. Oh, he he's is, amazing. <laughs> he is like the most genuine looking like the like every interview i've seen of him he's just so genuine so funny so down to earth just a great actor i love him so so much so i would definitely say he's on that list and then for people that have passed most of them are probably authors yeah people that have made like i mean who wouldn't want to meet tolkien you know what i mean oh, like things yeah. like that yeah that would be pretty epic that would be, I mean, I would, I would question his writing. I'd be like, bro, why you got to write about everything so detailed? Like every leaf <laughs> does not need to be described. I don't know what you were doing with that, but your ideas are great. Mad respect, bro. That's probably <laughs> what I would say. And he'd be like, who are you? And why are you saying these weird things yeah, to me? Why are you talking so weird? <laughs> <laughs> it's lit AF, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be so funny to see like one of these famous like Jane Austen or something and just start saying our horrible butchered language at them, all yeah. these like slang words, and they would just not know <laughs> what is going on. That's probably my I would love to do that. It'd be the most fun I'd probably ever have is doing awesome, something like yeah. that. Starts with so, sup yeah. and then goes downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much lingo that I'm not keeping up with because I didn't realize that like it's changing so rapidly. So I'm 27 and like these kids that are in high school now are just coming up with the strangest things. Oh, yeah. And make no sense. So the language, man, it, I and also just seeing the new text speak, like people typing the letter U instead of the actual word is probably the saddest thing I've ever seen. And it makes me, because as a writer, I want people to actually care yeah. about words. Like don't butcher it because then you get in the habit and then you don't want to actually use real people words anymore because you're getting lazy. Oh yeah. I mean, those tweets oh. that go out there that are pretty much like not even English anymore. You're just so it's sad. Super. <laughs> it's disappointing. I That's a pet peeve beyond. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you today, Sarah. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. And that's all of my questions for today. Um, but I hope we can speak with you again in the near future. And we look forward to hearing more of your work. Absolutely. And reading more of it. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Sound Architect podcast, sponsored by Krotos Limited, creators of Simple Monsters and Dehumanizer. Don't forget, you can also catch all of our great reviews and other articles at our website at www.thesoundarchitect.co.uk. If you would like to support The Sound Architect, please check out our sponsorship link as well as our Patreon.